0: Welcome to Not on the Notes, what I should have said this Sunday. We're a podcast from 539 Church, a new church in Goodyear Heights, Ohio, that's inviting friends into family. My name is Nolan Miller, and I will be your host. And this Sunday, we talked about Ruth 4, and we wrapped up our series in hindsight, how you'll see God moving in the rear view mirror. So I'm here with Luke Kramer, who leads our college group here at 539 Church. And Luke, would you give us a quick recap of the message and just tell us something that's not in the notes?
1: Yeah, so I uh, batted cleanup with the series in Ruth. I did Ruth chapter four. Uh, basically, this is uh, the end of the story. It's where everything kind of gets tied together. Um, Ruth has been um, down and out. She' was a widow traveling back from Moab with Naomi, her mother-in-law. Um, and she needs someone to redeem her, to take care of her, uh, to marry her. And we see this guy Boaz, who is going to be the kinsman redeemer for Ruth and Naomi. And uh, he eventually ends up marrying her, he buys her, he buys their land, he takes care of them, and it kind of paints this uh, wonderful picture of redemption uh, that Jesus Christ does for us. And uh, Jesus, he buys us back from our sin with his blood, and so that's kind of the, the cost of redemption. And so we get to see uh, just the metaphor of redemption played out of Boaz redeeming Ruth, uh, and kind of giving us an example of Jesus redeeming us.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So what was something that you wanted to cover that you didn't quite get a chance to fit into all of that?
1: Yeah, so I, uh, like Nolan said, I lead the college group here at uh, 539. And so a lot of my time is um, ministering to, discipling, uh, leading uh, young men, kind of in the age of like 18 to 21, 22, that, that nice college age. Uh, And a lot of my conversations with those guys is, hey, we're on this journey of boyhood to manhood. And uh, what does that look like? Uh, You're trying to pay your bills. You're trying to get a a big boy job, move out. uh, But at the same time, your mom's kind of washing your socks and making your dinner. And so it's that awkward (laughs) like in between boyhood manhood phase. And so I could give a whole sermon on just who Boaz is. Um, Not so much as the metaphor of him as Jesus, but like who Boaz is as an earthly dude. And so what can we take uh, away from what Boaz is being as like a man? And so a good uh, way to say it is like, hey, let's be a Boaz as young men. And women, if you're looking for a guy or you're uh, looking for someone to marry, like a Boaz is a good example of a godly man. And so in the Bible, I think God does a really cool job of, like, taking all these characters in the Old Testament and making them, like, blemished. Mm. And so he uses, like, jacked-up guys to, like, write his story. And it's just a good example and a good reminder of uh, God using broken people to do his His will. Uh, well, not with Boaz. He kind of doesn't make a mistake. And so he's a good, like... Hey, let's set the bar way up high. Uh, I think the Bible has like Daniel, Joseph, and Boaz of people who like don't make a mistake in their story. And then uh, God kind of describes Job as being blameless, uh, but he kind of starts to whine in chapters in the middle of the Book of Job. So. Yeah, like
0: like most of those most of those middle chapters. Yep.
1: Yeah. So, so Boaz, there's just a few examples, uh, just some tangible things that we can take away uh, if we were uh, just a young guy trying to become a, a good godly man. Uh, so what we see when we find Boaz at the beginning of this story, uh, and I just think it's something to point out, is that he's single. Uh, and a lot of my conversations with young men is they just feel kind of down and out, um, kind of less than because they're single. And we see Boaz very single, very content, uh, living a life of fulfillment. He's got, it seems like he's got land, he's got a job, he's got obligation, and he's kind of living this fulfilled life uh, without a wife or without a girlfriend. And I mean, time and time again, my conversations with guys is they feel unfulfilled, especially in the church where people are getting married when they're 16. And so they're kind of <laughs> like, hey, if I'm not married, I'm not, like, in the club yet. And so Boaz kind of gives a good example of, hey, he's single and he's fine. And uh, it's just it's just something to, to point out as, like, we see Boaz at yeah. the beginning.
0: And, I mean, even with um, young adults, when you're talking about getting, fr- like, passing that college age range and into into your 20s uh, in like, you know, 23 to 30 age range, it, it, like, I think, especially in the church, you can really feel like, you're behind, or you're you're missing out on something. If you're still in a season of singleness, and that's not true. Like God right. still wants to use this this part of your life, and He can use it so much better when you're in like a state of contentment and a state of, all right, God, what what can we do with this season, and what would you have for me in this season?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I always tell uh, guys that the percentage of people who get married is like way higher than the percentage who don't. And so a lot of guys, they have a run of some bad luck, I would say, for a while. And then they just get in this mind that, well, I'll just never get married. And it's like, hey, man, you probably will. But just this time, you're never going to get it back. So just be patient. Let God use it. It's going to be really cool when you look back on your life. And so Uh, it's just, it's neat that Boaz is like, he's kind of the goat in this story and he's single. And so it's just, it's good to point out. Uh, but the second thing we see, and this is like, should be a no brainer, but I just have to say it is like, he has a job. And so, uh, I meet with a lot of guys who are telling me their, uh, plans for the future to be millionaires and they don't have a job. And so I'm like, just start making 12 bucks an hour and we'll go from there. And uh, a good metaphor, I always think, I can't remember who told me this, but if you have like a little pickup truck, uh, it doesn't drive straight if there's no weight in the back. That's why you see guys putting like sandbags or or, like cinder blocks in the bed of their truck, because it weighs it down. And so a young man, he's kind of driving his life a little swerving, kind of not very straight. So we need to put some weight in the bed of his truck. And the easiest thing for that is like a job, just like weigh him down, take off some time. It's just a really good thing. Uh, I think we can convince ourselves that we have no time. And sometimes when guys are, uh, they're kind of taking a seat, hey, I'm just not working right now. Um, it, they've convinced themselves they don't have time to do that. But it is a good thing to, to make a couple bucks, even if you're in school, uh, to just kind of get independent. Uh, and so we see Boaz, he has a job, he's working his field, he owns a field. Um, and so it's just a good lesson for us.
0: Yeah, and we know that work is a is a blessing, right? But you know, after the fall, it is it is cursed, and I think a lot of times we focus a little bit too much on the fact that it's cursed. But there's so much, there is a lot of blessing in that. Like if if you don't have something that you're that you're working for, or someone that you're working for, just like a job, that time's going to get filled with something else. You're going to feel just as busy without it. Um, But we all we are very very good at filling up our time with things that. Sometimes things that matter, but uh, I think more oftentimes things that don't.
1: <laughs> right, yeah, just wasting time, honestly. And so, yeah, a job is just a good thing. Uh, make some money. Uh, it's You're going to w- not waste your time. You're going to fill your time, and so it's just a good thing to have. Even if it's 10, 15 hours a week, it's just always good to have a job and, mm-hmm. and keep yourself busy making a couple bucks. Uh, and then when we see him meet Ruth, uh, I think what we can see from Boaz is just his hospitality Um, I don't think initially he has big plans to marry Ruth. I think he just sees her as a down-and-out widow and uh, someone that he can take care of. And so when he sees her kind of picking up the grain in the field uh, in Chapter 2, he kind of inquires about her, hey, who is this woman? What's she doing? Why is she in my field kind of a mindset? And they're like, hey, that's Ruth. She's a widow. She came from Moab. She's related to Naomi. Naomi. And I think Boaz has every right to be like, hey, tell her to get lost because uh, that's migraine and she doesn't need to be picking it up. We're going to take care of our own people, but he doesn't. He shows her hospitality. So uh, it's just a good lesson for guys and for honestly anyone this can apply Mm -hmm. to is treating outsiders with respect, treating them with love and saying, hey, they probably have had a rough go and let's not like convince ourselves that they're having a rough go because they've made bad decisions. It might just be like, they're having a rough go because they're having a rough go. And so what can we do to help them? And like you said, when you preached chapter two, like she just needed lunch. Like she wasn't trying to infiltrate anyone's field or doing anything bad. She just needed something to eat. And so Boaz was like, hey, give her lunch. Let's take care of her. So he shows her great hospitality. And then as their relationship kind of starts to develop um in chapter three at the threshing floor this is kind of where his like manhood of how to treat a woman uh starts and it's just really uh neat because i mean he's kind of in charge here and she comes down to the threshing floor she lays at his feet we saw that in chapter three and initially his like priority is hey make sure nobody knows that ruth did this because like he wants to make sure her reputation is protected and so in chapter three, it says, let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. And then he said, bring the garment you are wearing and hold it out. And so Ruth held it out and he measured out six measures of barley and put it on her. And then he went into the city. And when she came to her mother-in-law, her mother-in-law said, how did you fare? And so we see uh, Boaz, he's protecting Ruth's reputation. He's providing for her monetarily, like he's giving her something to eat. He's protecting her. He's making sure that she's safe. And so what this kind of builds into in chapter four, which what I preached was like Boaz redeems her at the cost of like his own life, which is uh, just a very clear description of sacrificial love, which is something that like I said, we can all take away, but as men, it's just something that we can say, uh, when I love my wife or when I love a woman, or even when I love my family or anyone, uh, love is me putting them before me. It's as simple as that. It's me laying down my life for their life. And that sounds nice, but when push comes to shove, it can be tough. So it's just awesome to see Boaz and how he's really handled all this.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that that gives us a lot of examples of how we should live as men, but I think also just how we should live as followers of Christ. Yep. So I think that will do it. I think we'll wrap it up there. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Not in the Notes. Please take a moment to subscribe and share this podcast. And if you'd like to hear this week's sermon and what did make it into the notes, you can click the link in our show notes or visit us online at 539.church. That's F-I-V-E 39.church. Thank you for listening, and we hope you will join us again next week.